Hey everybody, it's Serious Voice and welcome to the very first episode of Coffee Time with Serious Voice. I'm excited to be venturing into uh, the podcast arena. Um, you know, I've been podcasting way before I even decided to get my podcast on Spotify and all the other platforms. So I'm just excited. I am just excited. I'm not wearing a yellow suit. I'm wearing actually a blue jacket. And I'm excited because my reasoning behind launching this podcast is one, it was necessary. Two, I had to do it to save my life. And I will talk about that um, later on and throughout um, season one about how this podcast has saved my life, about how creating content for individuals like myself, you know, someone that's sports minded, that's a journalist, that's a media professional, that's a content creator, that's a saved person who's a Christian and loves Jesus Christ, um, needs to do this at such a time as this. We are still in the middle of COVID. We're still, now we're dealing with this thing called the monkey pox. Uh, soon there will be another pox, you know, uh, maybe chicken pox again. But the point that I'm trying to make is I had to do this. I had to venture out, um, with this platform because I needed to live, I needed to breathe, I needed to use my voice uh, to speak to, you know, individuals that are like-minded, um, professionals on the same level. And so that's my reasoning behind launching Coffee Time with Serious Voice. You know, at the height of COVID, many of us had to work from our homes, like myself. Uh, and then after a while, I just wasn't working. I decided, you know what, instead of waiting to get a phone call or waiting to get an email why not utilize all of my skills? Why not, you know, get on my laptop, um, pull out my camera? Um, you know, it was super important to me to not sit on my behind and do nothing. And so I decided to do something and that doing something is coffee time with serious voice. Especially when I became president, I had to go and monitor that stuff. So I would sit there and I watch independent artists sending music, and they just talk about them so bad. Oh, the cover ain't this, the back part ain't this, this ain't right, the name ain't right. Oh, why did they do this? Why did they do that? And they just take the CD, just like I got all these CDs behind me, and they just take the CD and just toss it to the, the waste. Industry side. at large got so mad at me. And some of my other board members and some of the other people that was associated with me because we had 35 nominations on that ballot. That was an unsung hero and behind the scenes player in gospel music. His name is Henry Harris. You'll hear all about the impact he's making right here on Coffee Time with Serious Voice. Coffee Time. Coffee Time. about this 
new episode of Coffee Time with Sirius Voice because I have a true music expert, a veteran. He has 20 years in uh, the music industry. He's an educator. He's an expert in radio metadata, a subject matter that not too many individuals are experts in. He is also the founder of Strategic Music Partnerships, Inc. I want to say that correctly. Strategic Music Partnerships, Inc. His name is Mr. Henry Harris. Welcome to Coffee Time with Sirius Voice. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Serious Voice. You're so serious. But anyway, yeah, thank you for having me on Coffee Time. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I'm excited um, because you're here today as a, a music expert, as someone who has helped so many young artists and even mature artists navigate the industry. Um, you know, what are what are some of the, you know, some of the changes that have sort of um, left a bad taste in your mouth or have um, kind of struck a chord for you? Well, I think um, one of the um, changes that kind of stand out in my mind in, in the gospel music, I'll say gospel music genre, uh, has been that there's so many organizations that have formed and you know, come together as if they're going to make change and do something. But then the gospel music, and then they end up doing nothing. And uh, and then when they complain, when there is change, and when there's change that levels the playing field for all artists, because um, what we, you know, the main focus that we have, especially with my programs, the Strategic Music Partnership, Excellence in Music Academy. The focus is to help up-and-coming emerging independent artists, and we want to help them to level the playing field. But it seems as though as we go through this, you know, these multitude of changes in gospel music, the playing field continues to just slope and become more unequal because you have all of these different factions. Nobody works towards a common good. So when I hear you know, uh, individual artists, you know, let's say top, top shelf type artists. When I hear them talk about, you know, what's wrong with gospel or why they're doing this and why they're doing that, the thing that comes to my mind is, okay, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to change it? Can I get you to come to the microphone, not just on like a podcast or a meeting, but can I get you to come to the microphone? out in public and do a press conference and tell the world that you're tired of gospel being in the state. Um, and, and I, you know, I agree with you because I too have seen a lot of organizations <laughs> make promises or individuals, even individuals right. make promises and really and truly they create programs, but nothing happens, you know? Right. So, right. So people, some of the, some of those individuals or organization may come back and look at me and say, well, uh, Mr. Harris, okay, you've been in this for a long time. What are you doing about it? Well, you know, a lot of the work that we do is behind the scenes, of course. You know, we talk to the major player. I talk to chart managers. I talk to Billboard. I talk to BDS Radio. I've talked to Media Base. I've talked to all of these factors because the music business is dynamic, which means that it's changing constantly every day. And so in order to keep abreast 
of the data and the different, you know, changes that are being made, you got to talk to people. And so you get, like I said, you get these organizations and they say, well, you know, we're going to become this and we're going to become that. And we're going to have you in charge of the New York office and you in charge of the Washington office and blah, blah, blah. And you go all down the line and then you have maybe um, a annual session and then nothing happened. So... My thing is, and like like you, I, I think we was talking a little bit offline earlier. If you're gonna if you're gonna say something about something, try to do something. It would, let's say there were some issues that came up with one of the organizations that I was a part of. I'm the former Stella uh, Wars Gospel Music Academy president of the advisory board, so I'm the former. So I'm not speaking on behalf of that, but we put a lot of work into that organization and until my time with with the organization to level the playing field for the artists who were coming down the road so in a sense when i saw let's say the last show whatever i felt pretty good about it to a certain extent because i looked at the work that we had put in to get it there because prior to that it was like the same old same old you could almost rattle off the top of your head who's going to be on the program. Now you have this change, but at the same time, there's change, but it's still more change is needed because there's other artists that needs to get access to that stage as well. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned um, the Stella Awards because I did see the Stella Awards and a number of individuals um, called and texted about the Stella Awards, but they didn't call about the performances. I think across the board, most of the individuals I know um, in the gospel music community, in you know music period, they were actually excited about the presentation. The fact right. that they had all these these young, like you said, emerging artists, um, youthful. Um, it was a lot of youth <laughs> on the right. program which is right. good to see. It's good to see in gospel music. However, um, you know, people had issues with some of these artists. Ernest Pugh, who's a veteran in gospel music, who's a respected um, gospel music person, he voiced his, um, you know, dislike for the programming and certain elements of it. And he made it public on social media. And a lot of people um, responded by calling him a hater. Your take on that. First of all, I know Ernest Pugh. You know, matter of fact, the very first, we started our program called the Excellence in Christian Music Academy, which it was named at that time. Ernest Pugh was one of the artists who took time out to come and support us and be on our program, the very first program. That was in 2011. And um, some of the things that he has done over his career, we tried to make sure that um, we kept them abreast, you know, there's different stellar activities and so forth and so forth. On one hand, like I said, as a friend and somebody that we know, you know, I, I understood in a sense what he was saying, but at the same time, I think part of it may have been, I could be wrong, and he could probably come on here and correct me as well, but I think part of it may have been is that he wasn't on the program. And um, because, you know, it's very difficult to say, well, hey, we got left out. But there were quite a few artists that, you know, that did not perform on that program. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Todd Delaney was on there. 
but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember Todd, seeing and Todd him Delaney was one of the artists that you know we've helped and supported in the past as well. You know, one of the first churches he came to in Washington D.C. was my church, and I was instrumental in helping them to get there. So I knew him when he before he had the record deal and the stuff that he's doing right now. So and there's quite a few other artists that we've helped along the way through this stellar process and through other processes. So all I'm saying is, I think that if um, instead of maybe you know putting it out on social media and and the content that he put it out there with, I think that if he had to call the organizations together, just like we're talking there, they come together and say, look. This is what I saw. This is what I saw, whatever. So I think that they can still make some changes if we come together and present those changes in a respectable way instead of just, because I learned a long time ago to stop putting my complaints on social media. You know why? <laughs> because one of, one of the main reasons I learned that is because you never know who's following you. Right. Everybody's everybody's not your friend. Some right. people are following you. They're not your friend, and you don't even know it. And just like um, we brought up Berkeley when we was talking offline, I said, okay, classes start today. The guy that's the director of the program that I'm in follows me on social media, and I didn't know. We were, we were not friends, but he was following me because somewhere along the line, our paths have crossed you know, in this music, in this business of music. And so if I were to get out there and jump up and down, just say all kinds of these derogatory things about, you know, portion of a genre or whatever, I'm not really being true to the business of music. So that's what I'm saying. I, th I just think that he, he had valid, he had valid comments, but I just think that he, um, and then at the same time, um, some people who, who, who win awards or whatever, sometimes they might win nine, 10 awards. A lot of times there's some issues that come up with that because a lot of people are not getting grassroots support like they should. You can be number right. one in radio. You can be number one in radio today, and I still don't know your song. I don't even know how it goes. I know, I, I know, um, I can think of an artist that we've I've been on Zoom calls with with other people and so forth. Like um, I think his name's Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Armstrong, Armstrong right. and I believe he did yeah, perform so, <clears throat> with Erica Campbell. That's correct. And yes. I've been on I've been on uh, Zoom calls and programs with him when you know before anybody was really recognizing him because he really just kind of blew up over the last couple of years, right? So ever since he probably signed with. Uh, Warren Campbell's label. My but at the Right. So at the same time, his song, he was number one, but a lot of people, when you play that song, they recognize that song. And on the other hand, there were other people who were on that program who probably went to number one on radio, and I still don't know that song. You see what I mean? So right. it's a difference between the fan base and and the music that's going across and people that are listening to the music and people that are supporting you. So yes, I think that that was somebody, if you ask me, I think I would have flipped the script and had him open up the show instead of uh, Ty Trivet. That's just my opinion. 
you know, you, you seem to be, and over the years that I've known you, because I've also taken your course, um, Excellence in Music Academy, um, I'm an alum, and that has helped me tremendously in my musical yes. journey. Um, I want so to I want to ask this one question: Why do you care so much about the independent gospel recording artists? Because a lot of people will say, "Oh, it's gospel; it's not making money," you know, and 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 they'll run away and be like, "No, I'd rather work with a secular artist. It's easier to push a secular artist and and to make money." Why do you care so much about the independent gospel artists? Well, uh, reason number one was. Um, I was here in Washington, D.C., minding my own business when, you know, I had a, I have a small business. I had a small business called Spirit Telecommunications, and then I also had an internet radio called Spirit Co. One Radio, which you see the old sign behind me. Um, I was here minding my own business when I received an opportunity to participate at the Stellars to uh, either sponsor a showcase not a showcase, but a um, a class for artists to sponsor a class for artists, even though I wasn't teaching, just to sponsor somebody else to get up there and talk. So when I did that, and then eventually they said, hey, we're going to put together an advisory board for the Stellar Wars Gospel Music Academy. And I said, okay, I'd like to participate. So I got put on, and then there was like maybe 15 or 16 other people major players in the in, in the industry, Dennis Cole, Mama Curtis, Brad Newsom, you know, and the list goes on and on, record label um, execs and so forth. All of them were a part. Uh, even, even um, well, I don't know if he became part of the advisory board, but he did participate in a lot of stuff we did, which was Keno, Keno Greer, okay. who's a um, hip hop uh, program uh, show host itself. So when I came in and I saw how bad they treated independent artists, especially gospel artists, I made a commitment that I would do whatever I could do to write the ship. And I want to make sure I said that word right because <laughs> I, don't to, I had to bleep the word out, but uh, I made sure of that because it was so unfair and so balanced. Because I was in, I was in, I was part of the membership. I mean, not part of the membership. I was. They put me on the membership committee, and they made me the chairman of the membership committee, which means they wanted us to grow the organization. That's why I had that line in there that we grow the organization because we did. So we went out. And we got people that felt disenfranchised to grow, I mean, to come in and become members of the organization. And I, I'm telling you, like I said, I just every year it was like the same old folk, the same old circle. I said, you know, I saw I saw music come in. I went, I was on some of the um, uh, nominating committees because, you know, I was on the board. So especially when I became president, I had to go and monitor that stuff. So I would sit there and I watched independent artists sending music and they just talked about them so bad. Oh, the cover ain't this. The back part ain't this. This ain't right. The name ain't right. Oh, why did they do this? Why did they do that? And they just take the CD, just like I got all these CDs behind me, and they just take the CD and just toss it to the wayside. So when I saw that injustice, I was determined mm. to make a difference. And we did make a difference. 
And I know we don't have time to cover all of the difference that we made, but we made a difference. And I said to myself, we was going to make sure that the up and coming emerging independent artists understand the rules of engagement in order to participate. And one year out of this area alone in Washington, D.C., I want to say that was 2010. Check it out. The industry at large got so mad at me and some of my other board members and some of the other people that was associated with me because we had 35 nominations on that ballot. Just by virtue, not no tricks or anything, but just telling them what to do. Wow. 35. 35. And that was 2010. They got mad and they wrote letters talking about me and others, and I'm talking about people in the industry, people who are still in the industry today. You see them and say, hey, hi, bye, whatever. Um, that was 2010, right? So, you know, 2011, I started my first uh, ECMA program. So it was a year later. Why did we start it? Because at that time, they dissolved the board, 2010, because so many people in the industry got so upset at what we were trying to do, teaching the artists. Once you tell the artists what they sh can do and what they should do, the industry was highly upset. So they got so mad. So I dedicated my life and the things that I do, helping artists to be successful. Now, at the same time, we help radio owners and radio station people to do the same thing. So that's how I get to know both the radio side of it and the artist side of it. And so now I want us to jump into, we have a few more minutes because this is super, super important for the independent label, independent artists, everybody that's trying to get to that next level in music. The news came out this week. A lot of, you know, us content creators uh, within the industry have been talking about that letter that everybody got from BDS stating November email. 1st. Yes, that yeah. email from BDS stating as of November 1st, MediaBase is going to be monitoring um, and tracking the music. And see, in the beginning, there were three monitoring systems the Media Guide out of Pennsylvania, MediaBase, and BDS Radio. Media Guide got bought out, shut down. They got rid of them. So then now there were two. So MediaBase does monitor, but they are very selected with the people that they monitor because media base does not monitor internet radio right. that way. Right. So uh, we tried to get internet radio stations on to media base and they say, we don't monitor streams. One of the reasons I believe is because media base was founded by clear channel. Clear channel is now iHeart media. Right. So now if you got all of these streams come in that you're monitoring, you got all of these streams competing against iHeartMedia. So they have always been determined in my mind because of just the conversations that I've had with some of the people is that they, they have no interest in monitoring internet radio streams. So make a long story short, what will happen is if they don't monitor the internet radio, it's about 40 internet radio stations in BDS that will right. no longer be monitored, all right? Then there's other terrestrial stations in, B in BDS that may not be able to afford the fees 
that media base is, uh, yeah, media base is going to give them. So they may end up not being monitored. So in a sense, that whole charting system is going to be thrown out of whack because it's going to be yet to determine what media base will do when they combine as partnerships, which is what they're doing on November the 1st. So I got it. I got a, I received an email as well because, you know, I have a subscription to uh, be able to log into BDS. So, and the subscription, and I list, I went and I read, I would suggest that everybody go and read all the FAQs to the links that I posted up on Facebook. Because if you read all the questions and answers, you will understand what they're trying to do. And I think part of the commitment they're, they're not going to, because when you combine, just think about this, serious. When you combine two companies, you got to be lean and mean, which means that you got to do some trimming. Right. Somebody's got to go. Right. And, and, and like I've been telling everybody I've been talking to or whatever, everybody's been talking to me and we've been having conversations. I said, well, think about this. Uh, it's just like if you live in an apartment and they give you a 30-day notice, they want you out, right? right. <laughs> so today, we're just about at the end of September, and they said November 1st, that's about 30 days. Yes. And if that's not a good way to do business because if we're subscribers and we've been with you for a long time, the best way to handle that would have been starting six months, six or seven months out the transition so that and now you're talking less than 30 days. If everybody don't sign the contracts that they're going to be given, they're going to be out. What, That's what, what we're up against. What becomes of the indie artist who has, you know, invested. Who has relied on. Right, well, they have relied they, on. They, but, because, but, well, it's, it's up to the independent, it's up to the uh, internet radio folks and those, who are going to be on the outs to find another structure for the indie artist to participate or the indie artist. Okay. Let's go back to what we first started talking about when you said, you know, talk about the gospel industry. Where is the GMWA? Where is the GEN, the GIN? Where is all of these organizations that could come to the mic and say, Hey, look, what you can really do is going to have a tremendous effect on the people that we serve. Tell us, what are you going to do? We represent, well, the GMA, the GMWA used to represent about 90,000 plus people. You know, Bishop Jameson and all those, about 90-some thousand people. And then you got the gen. You got all of these chapters in all these states. That's what I'm saying. Why can't they come together, come to the mic and say, hey, media base, what are you going to do? Because not only do we represent the independent artists, but we represent all of these radio stations as well. You got to tell us something. You can't just give us 30 days and say, hey, find somebody else, because that's what's going to happen. Unless media base has this great spectacular plan, I think a lot of them are just going to be on the outside looking in. And and that's the introduction that I have on this book that I'm coming out with. It says a lot of artists are tired of being on the outside looking at. Really. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that um people need to reach out to you 
to join your school to learn about these different um, elements that they need to add, you know, to what they currently do to get to that next level. Because metadata and all the other things that you teach at the School of Excellence um, Music Academy is so important. It is important. How can you chart without proper metadata? You, you know, can't. how do you, you can't. how do you, it just doesn't When you, we talk about metadata, we just talk about alpha numerical characters, you know, uh, alphabets and numbers that make up whatever you name your song. Whatever you name your song, whatever you name, whatever your name is, I'm not talking about your stage name or whatever, whatever you name that product with. Because the first step in doing this, which is what our school teach you, the Excellence in Music Academy, the first thing we teach you is to create quality content. Once you create the quality content, then you get to deal with the metadata. You deal with what am I, what am I going to name it? Uh, what is my stage name going to be? And once you do that, you be consistent. Because right now, if your metadata is no good, your catalog will never come up for sale because nobody will want it because you're all mixed up. They don't know who you are. Um, you know, just like uh, Bruce Springsteen or whatever, a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, they purchased his catalog, $600 million, but he only had 12 albums. That's the power and the legacy of being who you are. But if you're not consistent with being who you are with that name, I'm talking about on Spotify, Apple Music, and all these other places. If I go to Spotify and I see your serious voice, and I see that you have eight or nine different pages that come up when I do a search, then there's a problem. It should be one page consolidated with all of the music because now you got the catalog centralized and you got the metadata correct. So they should try to come in or look at our Excellence in Christian Music Academy. You know, they can reach me or they can go to our website, www.strategic. so much for tuning in to Coffee Time with Sirius Voice. I look forward to sharing with you guys on the next one.